Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Powinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Awesome, man. Um, I think we're ready to go. Game on. Game on. I always like that you started off like that. Um, but yeah, welcome to the Know Thyself podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I'm Eduardo. And yet another week, and I'm going to jump right into it. And this is the final of the bi-weekly discussions we've had before the final step in the seven stages of alchemy. So um, Daniel and I talked about Various topics that we might bring up to sort of sum all this um, or to do a, a recap on what has just occurred in the sixth step and what is about to occur in the seventh step. Sixth step being um, fermentation and uh, and us moving into, into the final step. So one of the things Daniel brought up was um, let's talk about the three primordial elements. And I think we talked about this luckily a few weeks before this week coming up. And so it gave me a lot of time to read about it and study, but it also always makes me want to write more questions that I can ask here on the podcast. And so, you know, we'll probably go a lot back and forth between the questions I have and then the uh, detailed explanations that Daniel is going to give um, with the three primordial elements. And and for those of you who are very familiar and advanced in, in understanding the, the um, Paracelsus you know, way of, of looking at these primordial elements, um, you know, go easy on, on at least on me. I can't speak for you, dude. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for instance, Paracelsus, one of the things that I was learning about Paracelsus to, to kind of like kick it off here is, um, aside from being that Swiss physician, you know, and an alchemist, but I, I, his quote that he says, and I'll start with, off with the quote that is, uh, you know, he, he who is not, he who knows not of sulfur knows nothing and can only ac- accomplish nothing, neither uh, in medicine nor in philosophy, uh, nor of the secrets of nature. Mm. And I just thought that was very powerful as far as a statement goes. So that's kind of where I started generating a lot of questions when I first read that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe we'll talk a little bit about his approach and other alchemists of, of his time. Uh, he was in the Renaissance period, I believe, right? Paracelsus, yeah, kind of right? almost like rena- end of Renaissance, kind of towards the end. Okay. Um, almost really close to like the reformation. So yeah, that same time period. Awesome, man. So I'll let you uh, take it away with the three primordial elements. I didn't describe which, what they are. Cause I want to, you know, definitely hear you uh, name each one and then we'll sort of break down the understanding of each cool. one and then we'll go from there for everyone else. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great introduction, man. That's perfect. Um, and you know, the kind of, to kind of help separate this idea and get us to understand this We've already kind of looked at the four elements, right? We looked at, we broke down the four elements and that was a really, really good podcast episode. So what we're doing here is we're bringing it back. Okay. So we spoke about this when we got to the four elements, you start with unity consciousness, right? And that's like, that's like the zero, that's the circle, that's the all encompassing all, right? Mm -hmm. That's the pretty much the mind of God. And then because we can't put words or terms to describe everything and nothing at the same time, right? We've spoken about this, how it's impossible to actually, you know, we, we give words like God to explain this universal life force, right. but even that is so limited, right? Even though it's this word that it's really hard for people to find, it's really limited because you can't put a limited definition on something that's infinite. Like love. Kind of like love, you know, but like, Really what we're talking about um, is is this universal life force, the force that's pushing everything through, right? It's this, it's this oneness. It's what we were experiencing prior to the fall during the cycle of necessity. Okay, so it's that journey we're making ourselves back to. So what we do in this situation is we have this oneness that we start with. So to understand spirituality, to understand consciousness, we then have to take it and break it apart into pieces. So we go from one of the oneness, and then we break it off into duality, right? Positive and negative, okay? And that gives us a better understanding and a better perception 
in a way to almost quantify and qualify what this esoteric energy is that we're speaking of, which is universal life force or God. So to understand it, that's why we break it up into duality. And that's one of the first things that we covered in the podcast was polarization, the idea of duality. So we've taken the one and we've made it two. So what we're doing here is we're taking the two and we're making it a three. And so what we're really doing is finding the alchemical trinity is really what the prima materia is. And these are actually the elements that almost precede the four elements. Okay, so as we go from one to two, two to three, three to four, four to five, and so on. So what you kind of see is you, to understand God, you expand yourself out and you go down that entire infinite number line, but at the same time, you make your way back. Okay, and that's really what we're going to kind of look at. And we're really going to start getting into the aspect that and see why they say numbers is the language of God, because that's what we're really going to start really scratching the surface on. Almost numerology and the significance of numbers when it comes to really understanding creation, manifestation, and consciousness in itself. So what we kind of get with this trinity is with the sulfur, mercury, and salt, is we're getting this trinity to more further classify universal consciousness in a smaller scale. Got it. Okay, so that's why that's why alchemists are, they're going to use the four elements so much, right? They're going to use those four elements that we're all commonly familiar with, but they take it down they almost um, take it down to a more complete picture with three. And then you get a more complete picture with two, and then you get the complete picture at one, at that oneness, right? Mm-hmm. So what this kind of helps us do is, as alchemists making our way through this existence, what this this movement from three rather than four does is it gives this individual an easier opportunity to classify substances and experiences into what is their alchemical signature. So rather than looking at something and being like, oh, this is this has fire, a little bit of water, a little bit of earth, and a lot of bit of air, now we're only dealing with three principles. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to identify because really what it is is it's it's either sulfur is is the main aspect, mercury is the main aspect. Or salt is the main aspect, but what we're seeing right. is all every experience, every substance known to existence is a makeup of all three of these elements in different ratios. Right. Okay. So what it does is it kind of just gives us a more fine, exact way of classifying physical matter as well as our experiences. You've brought this up a lot in regards to the spiritual, the mental, and the physical. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. This is it. So those are the three. That, this is it. Okay. You know, yeah. even when we were talking about the trivium. So that's what's kind of unique about this one, because really, what we're going to be doing today is like there'll be some new stuff kind of introduced, but we're really just giving terms to this alchemical process. That if you've listened to all the episodes, you're going to be like, oh, they talked about this in the trivium. We talked about this when we did the the four elements. So this is all stuff that we've already kind of addressed, and now we're just kind of classifying it. And we're kind of going into detail about it. But yeah, this is the same thing as thought, emotion, action. Mm -hmm. Okay, these three elements are the same thing in physical science that we call a proton, a neutron, an electron. It's the same exact thing. So what we're doing now is we're going to be looking at these aspects of consciousness and how this creates consciousness. So this is the primordial. So this is the elements that kind of come before the element. So this is just a deeper a deeper esoteric look at what makes up consciousness. Okay. Cause four is like when we're looking at four, we're really kind of looking at creation and the, the fruit of that creation. And mm-hmm. this one, we're really looking at that like, thought, emotion, action. Okay. So the kind of that process that we were talking about, again, we're going to find the scarecrow, the tin man and the lion in this aspect. Okay. So we're going to see those, that Trinity making itself and kind of reappearing. But why we do this is because we're just making our way back to zero. We're making our way back to oneness. We're making our way back to that whole. And you do that two different ways. You you expand it out and you follow that number line as far as you possibly can go because there's going to be significance in threes. There's significance in fours. There's a significance in five, right? And it kind of makes its way up. So you take that path all the way that you can possibly go, but at the same time you go within and you make your way back. 
So it's like the breathing in and the breathing out of consciousness, and you kind of work your way through the number line to see the significance. And then you see the various variations, and as we as we start expanding beyond the four, the five, and we make our ways to the sevens and the eights and stuff like that, that's when we're going to kind of jump into like sacred geometry, because what sacred geometry is, is it's just a network of these patterns that we're already kind of looking at with these threes and these fours, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason why the number seven is so important, because you're taking the four elements with this primordial consciousness. So four plus three equals seven, right? So we're really going to start to see this kind of this interplay of how numbers work in this aspect. But really what we're just looking at is, you know, you want to learn expanding consciousness out as it follows the path of manifestation, as well as making our way back to the heart of creation. So we're kind of watching the manifestation happen as it goes um, outwards on the number line. And then we're also watching it as it pulls itself back in. And we really kind of connect with that heart of creation. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also, um, like in Christianity, this is still the, the idea of the Holy spirit and the father and the son, right? Exactly. The same. Yeah. Those yeah. three. And I mean, you could just look at it, you know, when we were, remember the esoteric brain episode, right? And we were breaking down the neocortex, and you had that masculine side, which was the left side of your brain, and then the feminine side, which is that right side of the brain. Well, that's what we're dealing with the situation. We have sulfur, which is going to be the left side of the brain, which is the masculine, and then we're going to have mercury, which is the feminine. Mm. And then as I think, so I feel, so I act, and that is the salt. That is the creation of the world. That's what manifests in the earth, right? right? And that's what we actually see. That's the collapsing of the wave, Okay, but just remember like how we even spoke about that, how the, the left side of the brain has to impregnate into the subconscious, into that right side of the brain, what it wants to accomplish. So it imposes its will onto that fluid self-conscious subconscious, which is that mercury, right? And it gives that fire, gives shape to the fluidity of mercury so it can bring that into manifestation, okay? Because the mercury, which is going to be that feminine side, is very... Um, you know, it's very fluid. It can be solid. It can be liquid. It can be gas. It moves through all aspects. It's like, it's almost like Mercury is almost always considered like genderless because it can take on any form. But the problem is, is it doesn't have fire to shape that form. And that's where the right. sulfur is going to come in. Got it. So we're really just looking again at that left side of the brain, that right side of the brain, and then creation. And it goes, you know, it goes much, much deeper. And we'll kind of break down what sulfur's root, sulfur really kind of represents. Um, but, you know, we're just trying to, again, we're just breaking consciousness down into finer parts. So you break stuff down and you see the, the pieces of everything and then you put them back together and you see the wholeness of everything. Right. And that's kind of really what we've been doing through this alchemical process. And what's going to be really important, too, because a lot of our students have had a lot of interest in alchemy. What this is going to do is it's going to help kind of give an enlightenment to the language. So now when you're reading alchemical text and they're talking about sulfur and mercury, yeah. you'll have a better understanding of what is trying to be presented to you. Right. Right. And and you brought up a great point because this does come from Paracelsus. So this comes from Paracelsus. And he um, he's, he's going to be really accredited with the aspect of salt. Okay. So mercury and... Sulfur were already being discussed in alchemical circle, circles, but Paracelsus is really going to kind of come in here and add the aspect of salt, which is really important because that's that's the manifestation. That's where it all happens. That's the right. salt of the earth, right? And we're going to kind of look at it, and we're going to even look at it through the aspect of like medicine and what these kind of represent and how you see these aspects in every creation Every experience, every emotion, you see these elements. And the nice thing is, is when you go from four to three, it's just easier to quantify it and you can do it on the fly kind of thing. So this is how when we talk about being a spiritual alchemist and how do I react to the situation that Mm -hmm. I'm in, moving between four aspects to three, you're shortening that. Okay, so we think about all of our great astrologers out there, right? And they break everything down to 12 from the 12 zodiac signs, that's a lot more moving pieces. Okay, so now you want to get to the way where you can perceive life through that. But when we're talking about being on the fly, an alchemist that has to be in the moment, you want that as easy as possible. So you're going to bring it down to three, right? Where like even the planets, you're dealing with seven esoteric energies in those aspects, right? So all those, in those seven esoteric energies, all those representations can be found in the three. 
You just have to have a really good understanding of what those three are, but you can see how it plays out and how it actually creates this existence. Right. Right. So um, we really kind of just start um, breaking it down because we have to, this is how we understand this aspect of everything and nothing. Right. Because we can't put terms to everything and nothing. That's, that's like the biggest challenge with spirituality and esoteric spirituality is finding out just how limited we are by our words and our expressions. And even just, you know, even though we have these supercomputers in our head, it's always going to be a droplet of all the not, like even if we studied for the rest of our life, we would still only have a droplet of the universal information. There would still be more that we don't know than we do know. Right. No, right? I, I think that's one thing you just said that's making me um, want to interrupt you right now is about numbers. And I think that we're re- reaching that moment right now with um, quantum mechanics and quantum physics is that we're realizing what's occurring in one place is also occurring in another. And we can quantify it with numbers. But when you try to really apply it, do the application of the formula, it's it's almost impossible. Not mm-hmm. to fathom, but it's sort of – I know there's issues within the scientific community with going there, they'll mm-hmm. say. you know, And they're like, just see the math for what it is, apply it for what it, it's, go- it's going to be you know, resulting in, but don't, don't go that far. And it's like, I just don't think we're ready for you know, a language yet that can describe what is actually happening and beyond our you know, five-sense construct, but also like the understanding of what's occurring beyond – you know, anything we've already been told, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. And again, there, there might not be words for it. Like we might never get to that point. Cause you think about all these enlightened individuals and you think about these prophets that come when they're approached about what God is, they're quiet. And it's not that they're quiet cause they can't explain it. They just know that it's useless to throw words at. Right. Because, you know, you can, again, you can identify the box, but what you're talking about is the box, what's in the box and outside of the box, right? So it's impossible. Once you create a term and you put something in a box, you can't do it to consciousness and creation because creation is everything. Right. So it's impossible. So I think that that's going to be something that you, as you kind of mature through this alchemical process, you almost come to peace with and at an awe with, and you can be tapped into that energy. But the idea of like knowing everything is it's that's not the goal of this human experience. Mm-hmm. It's to make our way back so we can experience everything. And then, you know, I don't know what happens when you make your way through all those stages of life and you make it back to universal consciousness. Like I can't speak on that, but I can say that, you know, we have to understand that there is a limited capacity to the human neurological potential when it comes to approaching something infinite like creation, right? Because we have this limited capacity to even to, to think that we are, can even approach creation is a very, very bold statement. And I think a lot of esoteric students, as they kind of go through it, would say that's a very naive statement. You know, we're always we're always heading towards it. We're always trying to get to know more, but we're never going to be able to just have this one term that explains everything. Right. And I think it's where it's very taboo to say uh, the word faith, but I think that's where it was actually um, used at many, many times for people to just have like patience, mm-hmm. patience with the fact that you may never reach that definition that you feel in your heart and you want those around you to understand as well. So just have a little faith. And I think that's kind of been, muddled down, you know, for yeah. many, many, many years, uh, several centuries now that people are just like, well, you know, that you, you use a word like that and you've already lost a, a, a portion of individuals. But I think it was, it, it's words like those that were created in order to, I think, again, keep us from, you know, wanting to define and define and define, you know, and just mm-hmm. like be patient, you know, but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. We may never have the words for such a thing, but we are always making our way back to it. Um to understanding that from which we came from. So, right. And I mean, you look at like, you know, babies and they even talk about Atlantis and they talk about if Atlantis even existed, that they probably didn't have a vocalized language. It was probably all telepathy, right? You look at babies looking at each other. You, you cannot deny that they're not having some sort of communication when they're looking at each other. Right. So this whole aspect of, 
you know, the spoken word is so powerful, but it, it's so powerful in this five cent construct that we find ourselves. And it's really important to use your words correctly, understand how powerful words are. But as you get up realms, words are going to, their significance are going to fall towards thoughts because that's really where creation mm. is, is it's all thought energy. So through our spiritual progress and the lives that we, you know, should live after the cycle of necessity kind of continues its path, words, the speaking words like we do now probably doesn't have the effect or the necessity in higher realms of consciousness, like in the astral realm and the spiritual realm. And this, this we can perceive, you know, this is why when people, um, I'm trying to explain how to think about how to explain this because I don't want to like offend anybody, but when people claim that like a prophet speaks to them, it could be happening. Like I can't judge that. And I know we spoke about this before, but if, you know, my, you know, the, um, like Archangel Michael is talking to you or you, you say you're speaking to Shiva, they're probably not going to be speaking in English. They're probably going to be speaking through emotions and internal feelings and like that actual expression. Do you know what I mean? Because that's the higher aspect of consciousness. Um, the only thing that's really going to be probably whispering your name is something that's stuck on this realm, like a, a demon or something. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a very interesting thing to kind of approach and we'll kind of get into what that is, but really we want to just kind of remember that this, this Trinity which is the sulfur, sulfur, mercury, and salt is born out of the duality, right? And then it gives birth to the four elements. So it's just kind of that that next step. So we take oneness to duality to this trinity. So sulfur is going to represent the soul, okay? Mercury is going to represent the spirit, and salt is going to represent the body, right? Right. And so, and think about it, especially for all the individuals who kind of study this stuff. Breaking it down to three is is very approachable and so many individuals have done it. So even when you um um you get to the um like astrological signs and stuff, you break those down from, you know, you have your like cardinal signs, right? You have your fixed signs and you have that broken down into three variations. And then you have Ayurvedic medicine. It's broken down to like Kappa, Vada, you know, it's broken down into three applications as well. And we, again, we saw that with the protron, the neutron and the electron. So this number three has been really approachable by so many mm -hmm. cultures and so many societies, because it's such a prominent way to kind of explain this information. Um, and these patterns that we're going to see, these, what we call these primal patterns, will start to express themselves through this like infinite aspect of numbers, which we're going to see as we kind of make our way down the line. Um but it's really this idea that we, we're going to start to see these patterns and see these expressions in all aspects. Yeah. And that's what we're kind of looking at. So we can see sulfur, which is going to be the soul, which represents really that fire burning, right? That mercury is going to be that fluid energy. And then the salt, which is really going to be uh, the manifestation right. of said. Right, right. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I mean, even definitions that are that are current and and or at least from the the latest century, you know, are familiar to all three as well. You know, you got like the the ego and the super ego, and then the id. You know, mm -hmm. and if you don't know those psycho psychological terms, I'm sure you've heard of them either in a psych one one class or somewhere else. But there they are again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Presented by another you know, individual who's classified them as important things to understand about the human nature and the way we make choices and why we feel what we feel and so forth, which is a more modern way of looking at it. But once again, this podcast always says this, but it's nothing new under the sun, right? So right. it's all just been reinterpreted and then redistributed to, you know, a general population that now has a grasp on such a thing for its time. But if you really break it down, as we just said, you know, you'll find that it's been going back since forever, you know? Right. Uh, so that's, that's what I really appreciate about the way you can relate any of these three uh, elements. Um, but yeah, so uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is in regards to, tell me a little more about sulfur and it's masculine. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, like I want to talk about that because I know you have, um, we were talking about it before we recorded, so Go right ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. No, and so perfect, man. That's a great question because sulfur is really going to represent that fiery aspect 
of consciousness. So it's really going to act, kind of represent that masculine energy. And it's going to be represented by the sun. And so this is going to be, again, it's going to mm-hmm. be that left side of our brain. And this is what's going to really be the aspect that shapes, molds, and gives form to the fluidity that is going to be represented as Mercury. Oh, okay. okay. So this is the soul. So sulfur also represents, when we were thinking about the mission of the soul, sulfur represents the collection of past experiences, the ability to put the will in charge mm-hmm. to actually manifest, to actually create right? And then mercury is going to be, you use sulfur to, again, impregnate that mercury aspect, because the mercury is this formless, fluid source that is kind of that one thing that you shape. So you shape the one thing with the one mind. So sulfur can almost represent that one mind of us, and then the one thing is almost going to be represented by the mercury. Wow, okay. Right? And so where this was created from, and we've spoken about this already, because what is the alchemical marriage all about? It's about the the sun and the moon, right? It's about the masculine and the feminine coming together in one in yourself. So where this whole process started was in the beginning of that cycle necessity, when we started making our way down and we had the fall from that spiritual world to be able to perceive matter and to actually being able to interact in the matter, we also had to differentiate ourselves. So that's where the split happens between the positive side and the negative side, mm. between the masculine and the feminine. Okay, so that split happens because that is what's going to, that energy is what's actually creates for you to attract a body right? Because it's that plus negative working together to attract or push away because you need that polarization for attraction and repulsion. So what happens is we were at oneness, okay? We were at that separation and then the fall happens. So we too go through this differentiation stage of being switched into the plus and the negative, the male and the female. And that's what the whole alchemical process is, is we get separated in the fall we land in consciousness, we land in material, and then we use that energy of separation to start attracting, you know, higher spiritual bodies through every incarnation with the end goal being that at the end we unify the sulfur and the mercury, coming back together, back in that collection. And the median where that happens through is going to be the salt. Salt is like the carrier, salt is like the vehicle in where the soul and the mercury can actually make that connect, that the sulfur and that mercury can actually make that connection. Wow. You know? And then that mercury isn't just the fluid forming aspect of consciousness. That mercury is also the communication that happens between the body and the soul. Oh. That mercury is also that connection that we have with intuition. So the the connection with the below and the above, right. the left and the right. So mercury is always going to be about, you know, again, communication networking and that whole aspect. So Mercury is really going to both Mercury and sulfur play such a huge aspect in this esoteric understanding. Yeah. Um, and it all goes through it through kind of that body of, um, through that body of salt. Right. Right. Um, and that's what we're really kind of looking at. So sulfur and Mercury are described as originating from the same original substance. And that's exactly what we were talking about when we kind of had that fall. And that's what kind of really happens at that differentiation. So when the human soul was kind of split during that fall, these two forces are seen as initially united and then in the need to regain that unity again. And that's what the human experience is. That's what the mission of the soul is about. It's right. about making that connection. You know, we have to different to have this experience, but the goal it's so interesting because the beginning is the end because we have to separate so we could come back together right. and go back to the beginning, which we started at. Yeah, to, right. the, to crystallize. To crystallize, exactly. So, so um, the sulfur is going to be kind of that active, fiery substance. And in alchemical mandalas, we're going to see this as the red king. And then the white queen is going to be mercury, and that's going to be that passive, um, you know, transient substance that doesn't have a definition or form of its own, but it requires that active principle of the sulfur to shape it. Right. It's like uh, omnipresent, right? Um, Yes. That's a perfect way to, that's a perfect way to kind of create that potential through that. Yes. So, um, so, you know, we really, when we're kind of really just looking through this transformation, this alchemical process, you know, Alchemy has always been this idea of, 
kind of stripping ourselves down to this nothingness to recreate ourselves in this image of who we really are. And we utilize the sulfur and the mercury in this aspect to complete this process. So once we get aware of this, which we already have been when we were looking at the left side and the right side of the hemispheres of the brain, but this is just the the completion of the story. Okay. And so right. you, you're dealing with sulfur and mercury the entire time through the alchemical process. Like you're never kind of never getting away from it. It's just now we're just kind of, you know, putting words to that, to that process. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what we're, what we're kind of looking at. So this is, this is these, these three philosophical principles is just that is the Trinity of this kind of consciousness. And the Trinity is really important because, the Trinity is what gives us life, okay? And it gives us the creation. So we can't have existence with duality because you can't just have thought and feeling. You need to have action. Like you need to have that other aspect of creation. Mm-hmm. So the parameters for creation are time, space, and matter, okay? And all of those have to come into play at the same time for existence to happen. You can't have time without space, you can't have space without matter and have existence. So you have to have all three of these aspects. You have to have time, space, and matter to create this five sense construct that we have. Okay, so we're, we're really, when we kind of think about this trinity, we're really just breaking down the trinity of all life, right? And this was approached in the Bible perfectly. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. Boom, right there. We have the alchemical process of creation. We have in the beginning was time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth matter. So from that aspect, we have this three is the product of creation. For creation to happen, for humans to have this existence, for the souls of all living organisms to go on this journey, there needs to be a time, space, matter continuum. And it has to kind of have process at all the same time. So, So all we're doing at this aspect is we're identifying this universal understanding that you need these three principles intact for creation to partake. And we're finding those aspects within ourselves. And now we're giving life to them and making sure that that expression is collapsed in our external environment. Right. 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 Yeah. Beautifully said, man. I really like that. We, we decided to stick to this as one of the like I said, as we're approaching the the final step in alchemy, and you know, one of the reasons that um, I didn't want to change or, or you know not include this is because I think it's a great way. And you again, I've already mentioned it of reiterating what we've already said, but now having a better understanding after so many episodes that we've done on you know different principles and different approaches and different philosophies that I come across. You know, all kinds of esoteric and occult information this just seems to resonate and just be so clear and to the point you know what i mean so um yeah i think that this is great to to talk about right before the final step and one thing i wanted to ask you though is um once we have this knowledge and of making our way back now is this the same as to say now we can operate between the above and the below once we've crystallized, if you will, like once you've made that full circle, excuse me. Good question, man. That's a fantastic question. So yeah, when we turn these sulfur and this mercury online, what we do there is we open up the vertical axis of existence. Right. So that connection, once we make that generation between those two electrical currents of that left side of the brain and that right side of the brain, we open up the vertical axis. And then that's the axis that the alchemist travels. And he can take the above all the way to the above. He can also take the below as deep as the below can go. And what the alchemist finds is the higher it goes, the closer it gets to God, and the deeper it goes, the closer it gets to God. Okay, so you actually turn on that vertical axis of existence. And you see this in alchemical mandalas. You see the the alchemist standing, and usually there's like a pole kind of going through them, or there's some kind of thing going up that connects the above with the below. Right. And not even do we see that vertical axis connected, but so many more access points and patterns start to make themselves apparent to where we even see that as within, so without is going to have that same connection. Okay, so what this really does is it it, it just like really gives the adept and the initiate, initiate 
such a better ability to perceive pattern recognition, which I know we speak about in this podcast, but I really can't reiterate enough how important pattern recognition is in consciousness and consciousness studies, but it's everything. Like yeah. when you can really start perceiving patterns, you really can not only understand your circumstances, not understand your present consciousness and how you got to that consciousness, but you can utilize those patterns to collapse the waves of the future that you see beneficial to the evolution of all life. Right. That's so awesome. And that's what we're dealing with, you know? So that was such a good question because that's exactly what you're doing. You're just turning on, turning online right. that vertical axis. And we talked about that. It's a, it's a ladder up and a spiral staircase down, right? So we can kind of see where we're working through when we're making our way up. And it's these ladders as we kind of keep raising our octaves and we're making our way up those musical notes. But the below is going to be more of that spiral staircase where you really don't see what's around the corner, but the deeper you go, the closer you get to universal consciousness, the higher you go, the closer you get to universal consciousness. And we kind of spoke about as you go one direction, it kind of pushes you down the other one. So even if you just work on the above, you're going to have a little deeper understanding of the below. Interesting. If you go really deep in the below, you're going to have a very good understanding of what is above, right? Because it's the same thing. It's as above, so below, you know, the microcosm and the macrocosm. Right. You know, and that's what's so beautiful about this alchemical the art of alchemy is it just pulls together all these hermetic philosophies and puts it in such a beautiful way, mm-hmm. you know, cause like the Kybalion is beautiful, but it's, it's still kind of reads almost like a textbook. You know what I mean? Like the, the Kybalion's kind of written just to get the information in there. And there's some beautiful aspects in the Kybalion, the Kybalion, but it's not to this aspect that we will see in alchemy, you know, because again, why do why do alchemists not write the secret to the stone? The secret to the stone can't be put into words. This is why we've relied on symbols. This is why we rely on mandalas. This is why we rely on cryptic chemistry test text that are giving you these processes of operation. And only if you know the symbols, can you actually understand what's going on? Because again, the process we're talking about can't have words to it. Pictures get a little bit closer. Symbols get the closest. But even then, we're not, we can't really see the whole thing. Right. You know? Um, and um, Or you, we can kind of see it. We just couldn't even explain it. But that's why we're having these mandalas. And that's what is also so important about the sulfur, mercury, and the salt. Because it's, these are really the formulas and the elements that the alchemists are going to to explain to get closer to the source. So if you're at the four elements and you might be getting some a, an amazing download about them, look around to see if you can find these three elements because that's going to be a deeper download because that's the download that's getting closer back to that oneness, to that mm-hmm. source, mm-hmm. if that makes – yeah. No, no, it does. And, and you know, I'll use this opportunity to say like if you're a patron member, I'm sure you've already seen one of the uploads that Daniel has on Alchemical Mandalas on the first four – um steps of alchemy that we talked about on the podcast so if you check that out um or if you haven't yet i recommend you check it out because you do do a really good job of breaking down that alchemical mandala and the symbols that are you know found in that mandala Mm -hmm. and i know there's other individuals too um who do a, a decent job but i think a lot of people try to condense it really um as simplistic as they can, but even then it kind of throws you off if you don't have a understanding of, of these, you know, um, of what we're speaking about. Like the, I really appreciate you talking about the macro and the microcosm with regards to, um, these three elements, because Mm -hmm. you have those four elements that are, you know, earthbound that we've talked about already. And you've mentioned that, and then you move on to these three, which makes seven, but then you understand why there is this effect between the above and the below and the micro and the macro. And so I think it's so hard to even go there. Like I can speak freely about this right now because I'm looking at you, but even if I was to, if I was a listener, I'd be like, wait a minute, I got to go back in a couple episodes and talk about or learn about what the, what he's even trying to say. Right. And so to even hear freely speak about these things um, can also get very um, complicated if there isn't a symbol to tie it to, or at least like some kind of, um, image that sort of resonates with what's happening on the inside of each and every one of us, you know, um, because like you said this in the beginning of the podcast, like words, you know, that they're limited, you know, they're, it's very hard to describe some, so much of this. So that's why my hat's off to all the alchemists before us that did such a beautiful job. I mean, again, the deeper we get into these seven stages, 
Uh, and I got a smile on my face is that because um, the more I can go back on certain images and, and really have an understanding of what they were trying to put in place and what these recipes that the alchemists would create actually meant for the betterment of the soul and to make it to that next, uh, to that next octave. So, so yeah. Yeah, no, awesome. Yeah. It, that's perfect, man. Cause you're right. They, they really describe those organic functions, those primary, I guess, primary organic functions that exist in all of manifested creation. And mm -hmm. that's what we're kind of looking at with these three. So understanding that these principles are really going to be the underlying patterns behind things such as, you know, our physical bodies, our emotional states, plants, minerals, animals, spirit, non-physical beings, they're all going to be composed of these principles. So the fact that all of existence contains these primary functions is what kind of makes them universal. And again, right. we can denote what function is more prominent, but everything contains these three elements. It just depends in, you know, what ratio that we find them in. But these three principles, because they're so drastically different than each other, because we have sulfur, which is this like, is really the coming together of air and fire, right? And then we have mercury, which is really the, the aspect of coming together of water and air, and then salt, which is really the aspect of water and earth coming together. So we have this connection with the four elements, and this is just a, a finer, more complex, you know, I, I guess, simple version of looking at that. Um, but they make this very easy to operate. And so it's it's really e e like easy to recognize and observe these aspects in creation. And once we kind of really start seeing the interrelatedness of these aspects and what they kind of create, we really can get a better understanding of what we're looking at. So, so kind of to speak on that, so sulfur, sulfur is really going to be the combination of air and fire. So it's got that fire energy to it, but it also has that air aspect. So we're, we're making a, a sympathy of those, those units together. So we're going to see aspects of fire, but sulfur is not just fire. It does have an air component to it. Right. Okay. And that air component is really what's going to kind of make it move and fluid and a little bit more active and intelligent than just fire on itself. Right. So one of the ways to kind of look at this, and this would really, this is going to be really beneficial to like herbalist. If we were going to take a plant, mm. Sulfur would be the essential oil that you squeeze out of that plant. Okay. So what do you get with that essential oil? You get the essence of that plant. That's your sulfur. That's your soul. So like if we were to like squeeze out the essential oil of you and it was your essence, it would have a very distinct smell that no other essence in the universe would replicate. Okay. Right. If you smell an basil essential oil, and you smell a clove essential oil, you're not going to get them confused. It just hits you in the face hard, right? Right To the fact that it's almost burning when you smell. Like if you take like a pure essential oil, because this is like such a heavily concentrated thing, it will like burn you. Like you can't put a lot of essential oils, you have to put a carrier oil on because it's just such an intense heated up process. And it's such a huge concentration of this essence of this soul that it can actually like irritate your skin and cause right. problems. That's what sulfur represents. So if we're looking at a plant, the sulfur represents the essential oil that you squeeze out of it. And again, if you, any plant, if you smell the essential oil, it's very obvious of what that is, okay? There's no changing the essence of that plant. Right. So that's our soul. So we have that in us as well. If you're gonna take the mercury of a plant, this is where you get the spirit of the plant. You would take it through fermentation and you would make alcohol out of it. That's the spirit. Okay, so you get the essential oil, which is the sulfur, and then that spirit liquid like fluidity aspect right. that you get from fermentation. These are the kind of the two byproducts, right? And then the salt is actually the plant the, itself. The, would that be the coagulation? So like, coagulation is really going to be kind of that final step right. that we're going to be getting to next week. And that's kind of right. what we're speaking about. Yeah. And I think I'm getting ahead of myself. So what I was going to say is in these last three steps of, of alchemy in the stages of alchemy, you have um, obviously fermentation, mm -hmm. distillation. And I know I realize I make a, a mistake in the order that I was just mentioning distillation from the. Oh, no worries. No the, worries. The sixth step. And then the seventh is coag coagulation. So. I want you to continue. I just, that's why I said coagulation because I was wondering if you were relating them 
you said fermentation and then we got distillation. So I was wondering mm-hmm. if salt would be like. I got you. But that's what you're doing. The greater stone is you're purifying the salt at the end of that. So that's really what we're doing. We're kind of taking it through that process. But yeah, the salt is like the whole plant. And this is actually why um, alchemical medicine, if you're doing natural medicine, is a great resource to use because Western herbalism, even a lot of Chinese herbalism, Ayurvedic herbalism, alchemists like scream at them because they use the sulfur and the mercury but they don't bring the salt into the component. Mm. So alchemists will look at modern-day herbalism, not saying that they're like, oh, your product works and it works good, but if you would bring in the pieces of the part and complete the whole, you would have a complete medicine. You would have the trinity of life. You would have the sulfur, which is the essential oil, the water, which is that alcohol that's kind of produced out of it. Um, I'm sorry, the mercury, which is produced out of it, and then the salt, which is the plant parts. And that's why you actually... When you're making alchemical medicine, you take the actual plant parts and you heat them up and you take them through the whole alchemical process because you actually put the perfected salt in the final tincture. That's, and those tinctures are actually stronger and better for you and you have to take less of them. That's like, um, and I could be butchering this for anyone out there who's a, a wine connoisseur, but isn't that the same as to say like the better wine as of the result of maceration? Like basically what you do is you take the, the liquid, you take the essence, you make your wine, but then before you um, let it all sit, you take the particles of the plant, so of the grape and the twigs and everything else that went with it, and you throw it in there, and you get a more refined mm-hmm. wine yeah. because you're using the organic components that which you've already like extracted from, yes. but you're reintroducing them back into this mixture, and you're getting something a little mm-hmm. more, you know. So that's the difference between like your $4 bottle of wine and a $20 bottle of wine. So a $4 bottle of wine is just going to be the juice. Right. It's just, it's, that's just alcohol grape juice. And they, they could taste like there's $8, $6 bottle of wines that like go down really well. Like they taste fine. But if you really want that whole wine experience, you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more because they actually take it through that process. But a lot of that commercial wine that they have now is just the juice because they're getting the grapes from so many different field so many vineyards and they're just kind of mixing it together at right. their location where if you actually go to a small like winery they're going to put it through that alchemical process and you're right you're going to get the dirt you're going to get the twigs you're going to get that whole aspect but that's what makes such a rich experience and that's mm-hmm. why when you like do have a, your first expensive glass of wine you're like oh this is different like i can't drink it as fast it it maybe affected me differently but that's exactly what it is you kind of have the whole alchemical process to it um so that's what I really like looking at this when we when we think about these aspects, just think about that the sulfur being like that fire air element, right? And then the the um the mercury being that like alcohol that kind of comes from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's like a great way to kind of at least visualize what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, because it goes deeper than just the physical elements of, you know, what we perceive sulfur as like brainstorm what we perceive mercury as, as like quicksilver. Like it's, it's beyond that. Like they have the characteristics of that, but we're, again, we're talking about the primordial elements of the universe. So everything in creation, existent or non-existent is made up of these three factors in different ratios. And that's, that's how you make gold is you're either adding sulfur or you're removing sulfur. Right. That's it. Right. That's what we're doing. You know what I mean? So that's exactly what we're kind of working through. And this is, um, this is kind of the the process that is kind of having us transcend and kind of going through. That led into gold. That led into gold. It's the moving around of sulfur, right? It's just the adding of heat, the taking away of heat, you know, the fluidity of the mercury. But it's that coming together and it's using the sulfur to impregnate that mercury. So you use the will of the sulfur to impregnate that mercury for creation to go into place. Mm-hmm. And that's why they were always so fascinated with sulfur mercury and salt brilliant it's so so great man um every time that we bring up a subject like this uh in this case you know something that i wanted to make sure we we stuck to to fit in to the final stage of alchemy i just love how you bring all of the examples that still pertain to all the stages that we spoke about um beforehand and my hat's off to you my hat's off to daniel here because daniel um and i were going to run through and do all seven stages of alchemy 
and Daniel's like, we should, we should slow down and, and do these, you know, bi-weekly discussions. And I'm so glad we did, man, because right. as a student and just listening to you and doing my research, I hope that this is aid or has been able to help others along the way to understand the complexity and the simplicity at the same time. There's that dual thing going mm-hmm. on right there with alchemy, but, uh, being able to digest this, um, a lot more easier with the information that is being presented, like in a discussion like this one goes a long way for me, at least speaking for myself. So I can't speak for everyone else. And again, those who are already very advanced, uh, you know, good for you. (laughs) And and thank you for being patient. Um, because it's, it's awesome, man. I really do appreciate these bi-weekly introductions. And I think that's what we'll probably end up doing uh coming into the end of the season and starting the new season right yeah yeah no absolutely and you know actually right before um because i just thought about this example and this is probably even better than the essential oil example but just think about like a campfire so the sulfur is the fire that you're actually applying to that campfire that's burning the mercury is like that wood that's transforming in this process by the will of the sulfur which is the fire that's shaping it Right. And then the air that's releasing is that connection between both of them because they have air in common between both of them. Mm. Okay. So mercury and sulfur both utilize air and that's how they communicate against each other. And then the ash that comes from afterwards is the salt. That's the creation of the will being imposed on the fluid force of the mercury, which is kind of that carrier. Awesome. Does that make a little bit? Is that a. I think I think that's a good way to kind of look yeah, at yeah. it. Yeah, I saw every image that you just put in my mind there. right cool. there, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. I like that I could visualize a formula that's like that, and then right? Have, you know the result. Yeah, so. and you know, with the sulfur, um, that's why we kind of focused a little bit more on the sulfur because we did a whole episode on mercury. But again, mercury is all about communication. It's all about travel, and even us traveling down from that differentiation all the way down here, our connections with God, our connections with our environment, our connections with ourself is all kind of played through that mercury, but mercury needs to be formed and shaped. Okay. So it needs to be guided. So again, you know, um, the red King always says, you know, I give my life for you. Um, and the white queen is more like form it. So he's just like, I want to give my energy, which is universal creation, which is consciousness expansion. And he speaks that to Mercury because Mercury is the connection. It's the messenger of the gods. So it's saying like, I want to live according to universal consciousness. And Mercury says, let me surrender to you. And that's where that whole idea of the male surrendering to the female, it's not actually saying like the male needs to be in charge of the household. It's saying within your own internal household, the masculine sulfuric consciousness needs to shape and mold the infinite creation of what was perceived as chaos, but now we really see as universal order that we don't understand to manifest the holy child, the holy trinity. Right. And that's what we're doing. It's just that playing between the left side of the brain, the right side of the brain, and then out to creation. Yep. Um, and they play such a huge part. But, you know, it's really beautiful how we're coming around. And one of the things that we're really going to kind of look at is the term chaos has changed from us. We look at chaos prior to spirituality, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like chaos, like, you know, unregulated, no control. And what we really start to see is, we perceive chaos as chaos because we don't have that higher enough perspective on the vertical axis to see where actually creation is moving towards. Because the higher you get in universal consciousness and when you get back to that oneness, what we perceived as chaos our entire life and what we call chaos, which is that one thing, isn't actually chaos how we describe it. Right. Right. It's just a potentiality of universal consciousness, but that potentiality is dependent on our free will decisions. So if we have no control over our free will decisions, that chaos does feel like chaos as we know it, right? But if we gain that aspect, gain that connection, gain that dedication to universal consciousness, all of a sudden that chaos is just, you know, untapped potential. Right. Right. Oh, well said, man. So, um, so yeah, I think the alchemical process, and again, we kind of just, you know, looked at the holistic understanding of this, Really what this is going to do is this is just opening up so many more episodes for us to go deeper into this study. And 
we are going to approach sulfur, mercury, and salt again. We're probably going to, I mean, we really almost, I feel like we already could just turn around and do the seven steps of alchemy totally again and have totally different things to say for those seven hours that we did that program pretty much. Right. right? You know, and, and I think that's what's exciting for some of our listeners who are so familiar with alchemy because I know this pushed me through the alchemical experience. Like I went through, we went through every stage. Like as we were doing that stage, like that's where I found myself in my life and having those new found ideas and these new found um, realizations and these new insights that kind of came from it was really important. But that's also a thing about this information is because it's an internal realization and this information usually is presented from within and rises up in consciousness so your con when, so once your conscious mind actually puts light on it, it kind of unfolds for you. It's a different process. Like you can't speak this stuff, you can't live this stuff and have a disconnected relationship to it. Like say I was a history a professor, I could go and I could, you know, lecture across the United States about the American Civil War, right? But there's no connection to that. So like. By the end of that, by the beginning of that tour to the end of the tour, I might have not one new insight about the American Civil War because everything that I learned about the Civil War wasn't an internal realization. It came through reading books. Right. It came through reading other historians' perspectives on it. Where if you approach, say you did a whole U.S. tour on consciousness, there's no way your lecture would be the same from stop one to stop 50. It would change because you have these new internal realizations, you have these new internal insights. And because we're dealing with this perennial philosophy of information that all arises from within, it's impossible to be disconnected from this information. It's impossible to hear this information and not have it affect you in some way. Yeah. You know? Agreed. And yeah. I think that's how new listeners that, you know, send us messages always, um, or once in a while will, will say, it's just like, you know, I had no idea what you guys were talking about, but there was a few things that resonated with me. So I went back and started, you know, the series from, mm -hmm. from the first couple of episodes. When and, we were babies. Yeah. <laughs> and so I agree. I mean, who knows where episode, you know, 110 will, will be. But one thing I know is it solidifies everything we've ever talked about. Um, some of the things that we have a bond over and also, um, you know, I'm thankful that I get to have you to, you know, rediscover, but also like reinterpret something that I'm like, oh, I think I have a grasp on this. And then it's like, okay, let's go down this rabbit hole and dissect. And I'm like, oh my God, there are so many parts to this. Like mm -hmm. I only know a fraction of it. And so by default, uh, this beautiful and wonderful audience we have, will we'll get to sort of hear us evolve, you know, with this information. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what makes it so exciting and so fresh. And, you know, one thing though, that I completely just realized like a couple days ago. And actually I made another patron video and it, it got, it said, no, I don't even want to talk about it, but either way, I don't want to talk about it. We missed Easter. Yeah. We didn't talk about did, Easter. Did, how the, did that the cardinal, sneak up on us? The cardinal, I know. Uh, it actually happened to, I mean, I, it sounds like it happened to you, but when Easter came around on, on last weekend, I, I was literally sitting there. I mean, we did nothing in my household for it, but I remember thinking like, Oh, Oh, I'll talk to Daniel about it. <laughs> so, hey, but next, we'll, yeah, yeah. yeah, next year we'll, we'll be all set up and ready to go. Um, but, um, but yeah, I would really kind of just look as this is really just an introduction into sulfur, mercury, and salt. We're going to really kind of touch into these resources and try to get more resources on the, the website. Um, and then, you know, we, um, really excited about kind of completing, the alchemical process next week and then um yeah just kind of get into that one year mark yep right? yep we have a lot of things that him and i daniel and i are talking about uh off air about how we want to approach the new season and you know we've had a lot of great suggestions from all our listeners and we've we've definitely considered a lot of different paths as to how to go about the next um the next season and the next 52 episodes so um, really exciting stuff that I know we're going to, you know, prepare. So be patient with us as we're going to take a little bit of time off just to make sure we, I mean, we'll still be active. We'll still have some things that we can definitely interact with as far as the website and Patreon goes. But, um, in between we'll be filming some, some nice 
some nice advertisements, some new things that we really want to put together. And um, yeah, man, I, yeah. I just can't wait. You know, it's kind of Eddie Eduardo's in my goal to make this, um, you know, to make this what we spend our time on. Yeah. You know what I mean? What, however that looks like and whatever, whatever that would, whatever the ends of that means is, but we, um, we really do want to create something a little bit more foundational, some better resources. So we are going to take, um, probably about a couple of weeks off after our 52nd episode. One, we really have to connect with our patron people. So we really want to get a lot of material up there. So that's going to be a focus. We're going to be looking to make some video lessons and we just want to kind of come back really strong for that second season and really, um, you know, just kind of, if we went 10, 50% this month, this year, we want to go 110% next year. Yeah, so absolutely. Do that. For all listeners. Yeah. That just heard that. That's exactly right. And, uh, again, be, I think people have been very patient with us, but you know, we've, we've had one thing, at least from my perspective on this side of the chair in mind this whole time is to just get this information out to speak of, um, something that, you know, we all want to know more about in regards to truth and then everything else just kind of follows after. So it's interesting sponsors, people who call us, people who text us, people who message us and email us are like, Hey, why don't we, we'll get to you. Yes. We'll get there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just, this is the more important thing the the numerator over the denominator here is just definitely having this information, um, as well studied as we both can, um, and also reinterpreted by us in a way that, you know, allows us to make our own mistakes, correct, correct those mistakes, but also just keep that sort of investigative hat on. It's how I try to see it. It's like, I don't claim to know any of this information, but I just love the, how it just keeps unraveling. And I'm like, okay, like what, what more does this mean? And what more does it mean for everybody else? So yeah. Great. Yeah. So cool. Well, uh, anything else? I think not. All right, man. (laughs) Well, that being said, then until next time, until next time.